everybody, it's Nick. Before we get into the episode this week, I do want to just reiterate that we talked about it. We actually recorded this episode on Monday night to drop today. We did not expect Tuesday to turn into the day that it became in the NHL with trades and the schedule release. So we will get into a lot of that stuff. But weirdly enough, a lot of the speculation we talk about ended up being true. Uh, so we'll you'll you'll hear it throughout the episode, but either way, just wanted to address that really quickly. Also, a little bit later on in the episode, there is some extra noise to the episode. Uh, John mentioned it at the start, a very crazy situation weather-wise, delays, people coming in and out of his place, which just made for a little extra background noise a little bit later on in the episode when he had a full house over there. So uh, outside of that, enjoy the episode, everybody. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast on the Thrill Me Podcast Network. I'm Nick. And I'm John, and I was not consulted on this decision. Well, it happened. We moved where where <laughs> I, I moved for a new job, which is why... No show last week, so this is going to be a jam-packed show with a lot to get to. But yeah, since I moved to the new job, we are now on every streaming platform. Everyone, as of right now, uh, logo is throwback, baby. We do own the rights to that, so nobody can come after us, just saying. Uh, it was paid for years ago, but yeah, man, it's it's weird. I'm, I'm in Hampton Roads again. You're not, so it's like... A half of the seven five seven two man advantage, but either way, I am stoked because now that we're on streaming platforms and we're off the ESPN brand and we're not under my company anymore, we can curse, John. Jizz. Oh, okay. Big fat low to come then. <laughs> I you, you don't need to celebrate it, okay? I'm just saying in conversation. <laughs> now we can actually drop the f bombs, and you're not going to hear weird edits anymore. Um, but yeah, so new streaming platform, same crappy hockey show that you've all come to love uh so that is our promise yeah that is our promise so i guess let's start with so we're recording this on monday the night of the nhl awards which haven't started yet because we started recording this seven o'clock eastern standard time and avengers infinity war is on tnt not the nhl awards but i guess we could quickly say hey there's really nothing to discuss about the awards like cool we know who's gonna win everything yeah kind of feels that way this year yeah mcdavid yeah like i i, I would honestly maybe the only one that is not really decided is the norris because it i feel like that just kind of depends on what you've paid the most attention to but it feels like it's carlson yeah i i, I think the level that he kind of achieved this year is going to take everyone onto his ballot, regardless of whether or not they are, you know, the top nor the Norris should just go to the top points getting defenseman type philosophy, or if they are the types that, you know, look a into a little bit more advanced numbers other than that. Yeah. Uh, but it does seem like there's going to be a chance for a lot of different, uh, a lot of things that we kind of expected going into the year, just 
there hasn't been a whole ton of movement or for things that we've talked about so far. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm, I'm just kind of Carlson had such a great year that I'm like, eh, it seems like, it seems like that's the way it's going, even though it should be Fox or McCarr. Um, it just seems like it's going to be Carlson's, which uh, really a lot of what this first part of the show is going to be about it is the draft that is happening tonight, the day that this show actually drops. Uh, and if Carlson did win, hypothetically, because again, we're recording this before we find out, but if he did win the Norris, even if he didn't, uh, a lot of rumors circulating around him out of San Jose, where it feels almost like it's inevitable at this point that he is going to be traded. Uh, is draft day the day that it happens? Because we've already seen a, a big trade happened earlier uh, on Monday that we'll talk about in a minute. But but do you think that if Carlson wins the Norris, like that enhances the, yeah, he's definitely going out of town? I, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference because where I feel like the Sharks would really like to trade him, they're not really under any sort of obligation to trade him. Uh, you, you have to keep in mind that uh, they got to hit the cap floor somehow at a certain point. And having someone like Carlson on your team uh, may be helpful and just a good thing to have if you're looking to add more younger players onto the team. You still got to give them someone to play with, you know. Uh, but outside of that, I think the bigger reason that you're seeing so much, so many rumors about trades or potential GMs losing their minds about trades is uh, the free agency class this year uh, has left a lot to be desired from the NHL GM standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of them are having to be more creative than they typically would to try to find ways to improve teams. So I think that can by itself will just add a lot to the idea that uh, Carlson's getting traded, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' name keeps circling mm -hmm. around. There's a lot of different things that are all kind of potentially out there. Yeah, uh, you mentioned, you brought up like, one of the things that I've noticed, especially with all the trades that are going on, um, it's, you brought up the cap floor. Uh, we kind of saw a trade like that with Chicago, getting Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, well, his unrestricted free agency rights, but Taylor Hall, $6 million in exchange for Alec Regula and Ian Mitchell. Two players I really like, but at the end of the day, Chicago won this trade, obviously, uh, especially with Connor Bedard on the way there tonight with the number one pick. But you mentioned the cap and the cap floor and all of that. Like That's clearly a, a, a smart cap dump by the Bruins who now just freed up $6 million as they try to potentially re-sign some of their key players this offseason, uh, Bergeron and all of that. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's It seems like with the with the flat cap, we're definitely – I'm curious to see where, where, where it goes tonight uh, 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 on draft day because this is technically kind of the day where you see a lot of those – Big moves, and actually, uh, I, I, if we have time to talk about it, I don't know if you saw McAdoo's uh, "Why Every Team Should Trade Their First Round Pick." <laughs> I did not. Oh my no, god, dude! Me. It was actually a really great article that pretty much just, especially teams like like for your Red Wings, like hey, you got to make the playoffs eventually, so why not trade that first round pick for a sure thing 
player that you can get, you know, for teams like the Rangers, yeah. uh, you know, those teams that are like, we're in the window. Why would you waste a 24th overall pick on a guy that's, you know, not going to be there where you could trade it now for something that can help right now. Granted, there's also the teams like the Rangers that are right there need to rebuild their systems and stuff. So that's why you would hold it. But it was a really good article. It's on The Athletic if you get a second. Like, it was actually really good. But uh, I guess where I'm trying to go with this is just I'm curious to see where the trades go because a lot of the trades we've seen, like Ryan, or like Ryan Johnson, $4 million being eaten so that Nashville can have $4 million to spend right now. So you're seeing teams getting very creative with the trades, but it's also holding up a lot of trades. Yeah, and I feel like you could see kind of a knock-on effect if, you know, someone in your division gets something really good, then you're going to, you know, work with somebody else to try to get something to match that or something like that. For the for the Taylor Hall trade in general, I mean, from a Chicago standpoint, this, this is just a no-brainer. Yeah. It just flat out is. In that, you know, A, you need someone for Connor Bedard to play with if you're having him, you know, going into his first NHL year with Tyler Johnson, former Norfolk Admiral, as, uh, you know, his, you know, senior most forward that he has a chance to play with, that's going to be a problem. Uh, but, yeah, and with that, you know, they need to be able to have enough players to sign. They need to be able to reach the cap floor. Everything about this makes sense for Chicago. I'm curious to see what Boston's next move is going to be with this because that because Taylor Hall wasn't bad for them. I just don't know that he was worth the price tag, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's I, well, I saw sorry to cut you off, but I saw like his numbers. He was still like he was a very productive player, still a really good player out there offensively, defensively, but he's not six million dollars. Yeah, so so if you are the Bruins, what are you doing with that extra six million dollars? Granted, they they have some some depth places to fill in, but is that money going towards Dmitry Orlov? Is it going towards Tyler Bertuzzi? Is it all going to kind of be mixed in with some other move that you're trying to make? Like I. Clearly, the Bru- this isn't a move the Bruins make just to kind of sit back and say, okay, we're done. But I, I, it's tough to predict exactly what the next move will be for them with that. Yeah, well, don't they – I thought they needed to give uh, like Bergeron and, and Krejci new deals or something like that, right? Aren't those two guys about yeah. to uh, cash in big and they want to be able to keep them around and – how are you going to make uh, both of them are UFAs, but they're also both 37. So I, I think for, for Bergeron, especially you're just figuring out if he even wants to stick around anymore. And if uh crazy just kind of even has it left in the tank and you may not know that until later on in the summer. Yeah. But is there that weird, like if no matter what, is there that, that there's, they're in a weird moment right now. Cause those guys, those are two players that are loved key members of the team when they're going Boston's going Boston just had a record season. So, you know, how do you explain to the fans? Yeah, we're, we're moving on from this or we're not in on this, or 
it's too rich for us. We got to make other moves because they are, they are cap stricken as well as a lot of teams are. Again, it's a flat cap right now. That's why, that's why I think it's a win for Boston more so than people are giving them credit for because they were able to free up cap space in a time where it's really hard to, f- to free up cap space and they got away with not having to eat anything. Yeah. And for bottom feeder teams, cap space wise, like Arizona, Detroit, Chicago, uh, this will be, you know, Buffalo is another good example where these are people that can really capitalize on something like this. Though, if you're someone like the Bruins, I'm sure you prefer to send the good players in the opposite conference. Yeah. Yeah. And that helps that, you know, you're sending them to (laughs) Chicago where, where again, I actually, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it makes me excited for Connor Bedard. I'm curious to see what Taylor Hall does with Bedard because, you know, that's going to be our number one pick tonight. And Hall's now going to get to play 20 minutes a night, which minutes he wasn't going to get in Boston. He's going to be playing with one of the premier draft picks. So I'm kind of excited for that. And I think that's a big win for Chicago because you don't have Patrick Kane there. You don't have Jonathan Taves there. You know, you, what are your names? Well, now it's Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard. Come watch them on the first line. And, and I would argue that there is no more experienced veteran player at working with relative or uh, with recently first overall picks in the NHL. Can I run you through the history of that? Yeah, 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 please. Okay, so... So Fergus, there this has to be a record for the number of times a player has been on a team that has picked first overall. Uh Taylor Hall, of course, was picked over first overall in 2010. Uh he was part of that three-year stretch where Edmonton picked first overall three different times. Uh in 2011, they got our Ryan Nugent Hopkins in 2012, they got Neil Yakupov mm-hmm. and we introduced a whole bunch of rules to try to introduce the draft lottery and make it harder uh, <laughs> for that to happen. Uh, and then in 2015, they got Connor McDavid. Yeah. Because the NHL uh, rigged the draft to put the best player in the world in Edmonton. In a market, very difficult to market to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shortly after McDavid's rookie season in 2016, he gets traded to New Jersey. The infamous Hall for Larson, the deal is one for one, uh, goes on to win Hart Trophy. We all know that. Uh, the next year, New Jersey gets the first overall pick mm-hmm. in, in 2017 with Nico Heischer. Uh, Hall doesn't stick around too long past that. He plays a little bit in Arizona. Uh, he signs a short deal in Buffalo in, uh, 2020 and plays there a little bit for the 20, the 21 season, Hmm. uh, before getting traded, uh, over to Boston. But in the meantime, in that 2021 draft, Buffalo picks first overall and takes Owen power. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Boston doesn't get a first, first overall pick. I don't know how I could handle that, but uh, now that he's also going to be part of the 2023 first overall pick, so he is a part of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different first overall picks in his career. Hmm. That's very impressive. It says you know, says a lot right there. And he's a good player. He's a really good player. So uh, you know, 
and with the experience he has that that's it's a good guy to have in the locker room for you know what i feel like when i saw that move that to me shirt up that there was no like oh man we're gonna see something crazy on draft night where like fantilli's going first and bedard is falling oh what happened you know like it was kind of the okay this is the team that they're putting out there this is what they're moving towards it's still not going to be fun if you're a Chicago fan for the next year or two, but I'm, I mean, it's something to be excited about and you still got Jones on the blue line. So, you know, I like three draws now in Chicago. Yeah. Which is more than they had towards the end of the year. For That's sure. 100% true. Uh, all right. So draft going on tonight, some things that, what, what are you keeping an eye on? Cause I want to get your take on this. Cause I, I feel like, I'll just let you go. Go. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, we could go through this and start to pick who we think fits, you know, well with every team, but honestly, there's, there's a lot of places that are way better at that than us. Uh, what the, the big thing that I'm just kind of seeing from a macro level of this is I want to know what happens with Matt Bay, Mitch Goff. Uh, he is the right winger that was playing for SKA in the KHL this past season. He, if you were going through this draft and you were doing everything based solely on talent, he would be the second overall pick hands down. Uh, now if he was in any other draft that did involve Connor Bedard, he'd probably be the first overall. The issue that's holding this up is it's going to be a couple of years before he can come over to mm-hmm. the NHL because he is has a KHL contract that he intends to honor. Uh, but the other thing kind of outside of that is that when teams were trying to talk to him over the last year or so uh, scouting, uh, they never got that much of a response back. You almost kind of had to bump into him in the locker room after a game or something like that. Uh, he was made available to talk to a whole bunch of teams, you know, prior to the draft, that interview style that they always do. Yeah. Uh, but, but there's, there's a little bit of uneasiness that, uh, he may not come play for you. And if he does, it's not going to be for a while. Now, is there an actual kind of communication barrier? Is this a Vladimir Putin controlling things in Russia thing? Uh, is, Mitchkoff just trying to force his way to a tr- to a team he really wants to go to, like the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Uh, I can't really say, but there's a lot of different speculation that's going on with this. Uh, you hate to feed into the enigmatic Russian uh, stereotype, but it is kind of playing itself out here. A bit. Yeah, it is. So, it is. Oop, keep going. Yeah. So, 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 what I'm dying to see is like there's. You could see him fall to fourth. Uh, I I would be shocked if he ends up falling past uh, eight with Washington, uh, as much as I wouldn't mind Detroit getting him at nine. Uh, but there's, just, there's a little, little bit of speculation that he could still end up going to Anaheim at two. Uh, that's that's a little bit of people trying to like connect the dots and potentially make something out of nothing. Uh, just because uh, Pat Verbeek play, uh, worked a lot with Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman, of course, 
doesn't put a ton of stock into what everyone else is saying for draft rankings, went out and got uh, more cider at six, uh, drafted Tony D'Angelo, despite everyone saying he had some character issues. I know that worked out great for them. Yeah. Uh, there's there, there's something to be said about, you know, well, these are what the draft rankings are, and is a, eh, we don't care about that. These are our draft rankings. Uh, so, so watching where everything kind of goes based on the moves Columbus has made, if Adam Fantilli goes at number two, like everyone's kind of predicting, I seriously doubt Columbus, uh, makes a move on Mitchkoff because a, because they're clearly building to make an impact of something right now with all these trades they've been making. Uh, but also they just historically having had issues with a Nikolai Zirdev, uh draft one time they did pick, get to pick first overall and it didn't work out very well. Uh, I, 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 I think it's kind of out of the question that they would end up taking Mitchkoff. So that would kind of put them with Leo Carlson out of Sweden. But is that, you know, going to be the best fit for them? Will they change something else and go for Will Smith out of the USNTDP? It's hard to say. Uh, But yeah, it's kind of, that's going to be the biggest thing that I'm watching for going into everything is just what happens with Mitchkoff. Uh, The second thing I'm going to be watching is uh, out of the USNTDP, Ryan Leonard, uh, currently projected to go seventh to Philly, but you know, once you start getting at that point in the draft, a lot of different things can kind of go sideways. Uh, Probably about the closest Brady Kachuk comparison that there is. And so I am very curious to see if his stock rises a bit based on the postseason we saw from Matthew Kachuk. Mm -hmm. If someone like Columbus, San Jose, Montreal, something like that, watched all that happen and said, okay, we're going to go out and get the closest thing to Matthew Kachuk that we can. Because because hands down, it's been Ryan Leonard. A guy can play rough. He can play physical. He can get under your skin. He does it all as far as Kachuk comparisons go. So as far as things I'm super interested to see, it's going to be those two players specifically. Um. I'm really hoping Mitchkoff does go to Anaheim so that Adam Fantilli goes to Columbus and they continue to be a state that despises Michigan but takes all the University mm-hmm. of Michigan players. Uh, but that's more my own personal hopes and dreams, really. All right, all right. Uh, I think you're on with the Mitchkoff thing. I'm. That's kind of the one thing that I circled, especially because you hit it. It seems like in a way he has been positioning himself for, I only want to play for the Capitals because of Ovi. Like I want to go there for Ovechkin. I want to go there for Ovechkin, which is weird because Ovechkin probably not going to be a Capital by the time he can actually come over. But either way, you know, Putin pulls the strings in Washington. So it makes sense. Um, So yeah, I, I want to keep an eye on that. But really the thing is if he keeps falling, The Flyers pick before the Capitals. There's like no way the Flyers can let a player of that caliber fall into into a division rival's lap, right? Like they can't do that. I mean, if he's made it clear he doesn't have any interest in coming over to play for them, I guess they can't. They can let him go, but. Um, But even with that, even with that, I feel like you should still draft him because then you. You just keep him out of like 
I know some people are going to be like, it's like a waste of a first round pick, but you draft him and then you, you sell his rights off later on for, you know, something else and this and that, or you force the capitals into trading with you for him because you know, that's where he wants to go. A la Adam Fox to the Rangers, you know, all these other times that players dictate after being drafted. Like you take the flyer on him on the hope that, no pun intended on that, but on the hope that you can convince them to sign with you. And if you can't, whatever, we'll trade you off for draft pick down the road anyway, a few other ones. Uh, granted, Flyers-wise, they probably should pick something that they can bank on for the long term because that team is a mess right now and my pitch makes them more of a mess. But I don't know. It's just one of those where I feel like if you're new management, you're new GM, you're in there and you allow a player like that to just fall into your rival's lap. And then eventually, you know, you watch him grow and beat you throughout the next two decades. Like (laughs) that hurts for your five years that you're GM. (laughs) Yeah. And, and because Danny Breer is a uh, clearly not doing everything in a very traditional manner so far, and B, we haven't seen him in the GM seat yeah. before. Uh, I think there's like there isn't as much of a possibility to kind of predict what he's going to want to do with this. Yeah. Uh, with, with the situation that you laid out there, it's it's not just the getting an asset like Mitchkoff so much as uh, to me the opportunity cost that if Will Smith, Zach Benson, Ryan Leonard, Oliver Moore, one of these other guys is available at seven and you take Mitch Koff and granted hypothetically, just knowing he's not going to be available for you. Uh, that's, that would be a little bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, I could see Chuck Fletcher doing it for sure. <laughs> uh, but with Danny Briere, I don't know. It, it's the, the, this is why we want to watch the draft, right? Yeah. To kind of see these fun things play out yeah 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 and and i'm kind of hoping things get a little crazy but but for the most part it does feel like those first three are locked in i, I feel like it's bedard fantilli and, and carlson uh, i do feel like smith is going to go at four it, it, it's 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 just the mitch cop thing is where it becomes the because again he is a talent he's a talent but we just we have no idea what what his intent really is so and the feeling is the not big secret seems to be that he wants to be a capital. So it's just like, do you let him fall to the capitals or it's a weird game of chess. It's a weird, it's, it's, it's a game of chess with this one. Cause that, you know, do you want to be the guy that takes the chance and prevents your rival from getting him and just landing him because he's dictating it? Or do you, you know, get something that's going to help you right now? Like if Will Smith falls, you know, you want to grab him, even Ryan, backer you know like anybody else could be a, a big boost instantly yeah and another thing to kind of keep in mind with a lot of what's happening with some of this stuff uh the flyers do have multiple first round picks mm-hmm. uh detroit has multiple first round picks st louis has three first round picks they're probably uh, gonna going to trade at some the- point I expect, I expect yeah, he, that's the other thing I'm keeping. I, I, I can't wait to see is the trades because that's where I expect some of the trades we'll talk about a little bit later on might be finalized. 
Yeah, and even going into the second round, Nashville has two picks in a row. Detroit has three picks in a row. Seattle has the 50 and the 52. So I feel like you could see a lot of packaging things together on the Mm -hmm. draft floor. Uh, And frankly, I'd be shocked if we didn't see something like that. Yeah. And then Anaheim has 59 and 60 as well. It's a weird year for like multiple drafts picks in the same sequence to the same team. (laughs) It's well, it, 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 it occasionally happens and we're getting it this year. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll react to the draft, obviously, in the next episode. Uh, hey, before yes. we move on, uh, we do have a sponsor now that we're part of the Throw Me Podcast Network, and it is Raise Energy. So this is zero calories, zero carbs, uh, and it's an energy drink that helps increase your performance uh, with no crash. It also hydrates you. You could try great flavors like Baja Lime. Voodoo, Galaxy Blast, and Sour Gummy. I have the Sour Gummy. I'm very excited to try the Sour Gummy. All you have to do is go to their website, which is repsports.com. That's rep, R-E-P-P, sports.com. And when you go to that website, you can get 15% off your purchase with the promo code THRILLME. So at checkout, just put in THRILLME for the promo code. You get 15% off, and you get to you know, increase your uh, hockey playing, your sports playing, your gym workouts. That's why I'm excited to try it. Uh, and I can't wait to have my uh, my, my sour gummy. Uh, repsports.com, R-E-P-P, sports.com. Thrill me at the checkout. So, all right, look at that. Look at us. Look at us. We're, we're big look time. Look at us. We're big time. Who would have thought, you know? You do it for a radio station and uh, you can't get advertisers. You Move on to a podcasting network, and you got an advertiser. How about that? Um, all right. This ginger ale flavor sounds really cool. I would, if I had it in front of me, which which I better soon, uh, that is what I would want to check out. Yeah, and you can. Repsports.com. Uh, all right. Hall of Fame. Now, what's the code again? Thrill me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let me pull that up really quickly again. It is, whoop, I'm pulling up the wrong thing. Yes, it is thrill me. Like, thrill me. Maybe one day we'll get into how this name ended up coming. If you're a fan of horror movies, Tom Atkins is uh, what you should search. Uh, All right. So the Hall of Fame was announced. Uh, We'll react to this. It's the year of the goalie. Uh, Let's just start off with the first goalie. Uh, Rangers, great Henrik Lundqvist. Headline the class this year. He's going in. um, To the surprise of no one, really. I I, I think that was kind of well understood going into it that that was just what was going to happen yeah uh nobody should be shocked that literally one of the best i don't care who you're a fan of you can't deny it now that the career is over just one of the best like one you you witnessed one of the best goalies in this era of hockey to have played and yeah that's not ranger fan uh you know blowing this up like it's just fact. Like the stats are there. Yeah, he never got the cup, but he's got the two gold medals in international play, uh, the Olympic one and, and the other international one. Uh, I forgot uh, the um, IIH, whatever. Double uh, IHF. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, he's got the Vesna. It's surprising he never got a second Vesna uh, with the numbers that he had. But yeah, I mean. Pfft. Feels like he was very regularly a finalist for it. Yeah, he had like five finalist uh, nominations with the one win. Like, he was, 
God, man, like getting to watch him play and getting to see him play in person so many times, like you, you were there for a few of those. I was, uh, I did get games. to see him. Yeah. You got to see him a few times. Like it's just, it really was something else getting to watch him play. Yeah. And there's, there's two things that made Lundqvist kind of a no brainer in my mind. Uh, you hear a lot of of NHLers that, you know, get to a thousand games, 1500 games, but we're usually talking about forwards that are defensemen there that are playing, you know, one third to one half of that game. Uh, Lundqvist played 887 games. He won 459 of them. Mm -hmm. But when a goalie's playing a game, that's 60 minutes, unless, you know, something goes horribly awry. But it's it's just that kind of perspective, I think, is something that you almost need to force a little bit when you're evaluating a goaltender's career because we're so used to just those bigger numbers for forwards. Uh, but to, to point at someone like that and say, okay, he won the Vesna once. Was he someone that was, uh, you know, the best at his position for a significant amount of time? Uh, and he was top 10 in the league for 10 of his 15 seasons. Like the one thing he doesn't have is a Stanley Cup. Like everything else is there. So I, I think this is the first ballot Hall of Famer that everyone saw coming. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Hank's going to be followed by fellow goaltenders, Tom Barrasso, which uh, I had to look it up. And when I looked up Barrasso's numbers... Yeah, I'm I'm he's kind of like right there with Henrik Lundqvist in the sense of consistently nominated for Vesnas, uh winning big games. Calder, yeah. Jennings trophy, yeah. multiple cups. Mo like the cups. Yeah, That's like, what I was I, gonna say. He's got the cups over Lundquist. So like if Lundquist gets in without the cups, yeah, there is the this seems like a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And still, you know, 369 wins mm -hmm. for for his career, uh, you know, and the career that it wasn't like he walked into the Penguins and uh, just got to kind of be along for the ride. Like by the time the Penguins were winning Stanley Cups in the early 90s, he had been in the league for almost 10 years at that point. So it, so it makes a lot of sense. It's nice to see him get a nod as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also joining them, another fellow goalie, and I know you're going to have some thoughts on this one, uh, Stanley Cup winning goalie Mike Vernon. Yeah, Mike Vernon uh, was really stood out to me. I wasn't necessarily <laughs> expecting. Stood out to you? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't expecting him to be kind of on the list. But like, I don't know what would have changed to make him uh, be the go-to guy for something like this, but 782 games played, 385 of those were won. Uh, he had a William Jennings trophy. He had two different Stanley Cups, one with Calgary, one with Detroit. He won the Conn Smythe in 1997. Uh, it, it's it When you kind of stack all of that up, there, I feel like there isn't one particular thing that jumps out there that makes him seem like a hall of fame goaltender. But when you, when you look at it as a whole, when it's kind of all those things put together, it goes, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but at the end of the day, Mike Vernon is, it doesn't scream like hall of fame goaltender to me. And if that's, you know, where the bar has been brought to with Mike Vernon, like, okay, then I guess, 
Carrie Price is going to the hall. I guess, you know, we're about to yeah, you, like well, why is Curtis like Joseph Price is not the... uh, not in the Hall of Fame now? Is it because he doesn't have the cup? Like Well, well, I feel like Carrie Price is a uh it, Car- Carrie Price is kind of a foregone conclusion, I think. He just needs to stop playing first. Yeah. Uh but but for a lot of a lot I almost it almost feels like they went to go put Lundqvist in. They looked at how many goaltenders were there and so oh crap, we've been overlooking this for a while. Because yeah. because at, at a certain point, I feel like you almost need to grade on a curve for some of these guys because, like I said, the thing about being the very best at your position for a significant amount of time, uh, if you played at the same time as Hashik and Wah and Brodeur, you shouldn't necessarily be punished for that. So I, I wasn't... It's one of the things that I wasn't expecting uh you know three goalies to get in here but i'm not opposed to it either if that makes sense yeah i mean like it's cool like i like i'm not hating as somebody that you know at a young age played the goalie position i have an affinity for 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 the guys that do it because it's a hell of a position to play like you said it's 60 minutes day in and day out and these guys are typically playing you know more than half the season uh so I love that goalies are getting honored, but it's just like Mike Vernon. Like that's, that's where it is, especially when you can only that's pick where we went. That, okay. Exactly. Like, okay, if that's where we went, then with the slew of goalies that are about to be r- retire, like, okay, Sergei Bobrovsky is absolutely getting in now. Like there's no, yeah. he doesn't need a Stanley cup. He doesn't, he's got the wins. He's got the two Vesnas. He's got all the other accolades. He's it. Like, like looking around the league now, it's just kind of that, like, okay, you're in, you're in, you're in. Like, where that's how it, I, I like not to diminish Mike Vernon because I actually really liked Mike Vernon as a goalie. Uh, I really did. I, I, he's, he's a guy that I remember from the Red Wings, uh, Stanley Cup win as well. But does that also mean now because I would look at Mike Vernon and say, hey, the Stanley Cups matter, does that make Chris Osgood a, a Hall of Fame goalie? No. It doesn't. Uh, Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He has, uh, you know, multiple Stanley Cups, but like two of those were as backups. So I feel like you have to kind of grade that on the curve. Uh, wasn't ever really the best at his position. Had some Jennings trophies in there, but mm-hmm. not not a, you know, no Vesna. I don't, I don't know he was ever a Vesna finalist now that I think about it, much less, uh, you know, winning a Vesna. So for me, it's just kind of like, I, I feel like I'd be happy for him if he got in. Don't get me wrong. But uh, as far as, you know, should we be making a, you know, campaign for this? I, I would be opposed. <laughs> I, I, will, I, I will fully stand behind everyone that kind of says Chris Osgood is not a Hall of Famer. Because it's not the Hall of Very Good, it's the Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of Being Very Elite. Mm -hmm. I won't stand for someone saying he wasn't good, but I just don't think he rises to that level. Yeah, he was Oz good. Uh, (laughs) That was so bad. Oz good, as it gets. (laughs) Great fantasy hockey team name there, if anyone wants it. Yeah, if this Uh, is... uh, (laughs) We're going all the way back to the days of dial-up. Um... (laughs) Uh, so I think the other reason why the Vernon thing kind of got me is I'm like, okay, you could have put in the two goalies this year that opens the door, uh, because they can only do the four picks. So after Vernon, it it was P 
Pierre Tergeron, who absolutely looking at the numbers, remembering Tergeron play, like that's a Hall of Famer. But there's somebody that should be in the Hall of Fame that keeps getting a big middle finger now. And that's Alex McGinley. So McGinley misses out. Vernon goes in and Tergeron goes in. Uh, where do we start on this? Do it's, we, like, do, do we just want to talk? Why, like, what the hell is it with hating Alex McGinley? I mean, it, it's got to be the Russian thing, right? Like, that's the that's That's, that's the what I always hear. Possible... That's what I keep hearing. But I'm like, really? Like, the, like why that, would it be the... the Russian thing, though? Because he, he famously, like, the from Russia to come play in America. Like, like his story is awesome. That story, like in a itself, horrible way, it's awesome. Cause it's the, Oh my God, he got away. What it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like he got out like, Oh my God. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, just doing that by itself, putting that much on the line uh, would be something that I would have thought would would be something that should be hall of fame worthy yeah. to me because again hall of fame not a hall of anything specific uh that there's the, like the to understand like how what the story was was about to defect from russia at that time if you were playing for the red army team like he was or for csk moscow you were a member of the russian military and you you played the sport and that was just like a propaganda thing almost for him right Mm -hmm. i i i feel like that that's kind of diminishing what he was uh but it's i mean that's what that russian team was that's what that's what it was all about it was you know yeah russian russian Uh, greatness but but then beyond even you know so he risked that much to go out and uh and, you know put again puts it all on the line for the game for the possibility of a better life uh he goes on to play 990 regular season games and 124 playoff games so if you really want to hold it against him that there's no Stanley Cup in there or anything like that all right, man, I guess like he got a lady bing. That's not really, I don't think anyone would call that significant, but it wasn't like he toiled away in obscurity either. Like he played for Vancouver for a good amount of time. Mm -hmm. He played for Toronto at the end of his career. He came into the league playing for Boston. And, and I, I sent this to you a little bit because I, I have to mention two parts of a story here about him. Cause as I was reading about Alex McGillney, there's just like a couple of things that just stood out for me yeah. for what he was like, because really like the guy could do it all. He wasn't, so he bad. didn't, he didn't play into like the soft European player stereotype either. Like he would knock the hell out of somebody. And so Adrian, a was uh, doing an interview uh, talking a little bit about, you know, players that he had played with through his life. And Alexander McGillney comes up. And the story is uh, one time we're in the locker room, Keenan's all over him. We're like, holy shit. Normally he's not on McGillney like that. And McGillney looks up at him. He might iron Mike Keenan, by the way, is who he's referring to as the coach. Uh, he goes, Mike, have you ever heard of how I defected, how they fucking threatened my family and how they wanted to kill everybody? You think you're fucking scaring me right now? It's so, like... Just being able to step to uh, Mike Keenan like that again by itself, Hall of Fame worthy. That's, that's, yeah, 
Yeah, that's and that's what I mean. Like if if you don't if you don't know the McGinley story, like 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 John's been saying, go go read up on it. Like it is it's crazy that he like what he did, like that is the thing that typically you'd see in a Hollywood movie. Like turned into a Hollywood movie, what what he did. And he went on to have a, a great career. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you said it, the uh, 1,032 career points in 990 games. He had 76 goals in just one season. Like, that's... And and that so wasn't during good. the 80s, so yeah. that meant something. That did. <laughs> it did. Uh, but, you know, and I don't know. I just, it feels like a giant middle finger from these, like, 14 people that sit in a room and are just like what do we think of this guy yeah all right yay or nay we have four to pick let's go like i don't know it's it's kind of annoying at this point and it takes away from the fact that pierre tergeron is going in and that's a good player as well uh can't, yeah pierre can't, Ter- uh, and, and yeah don't misunderstand me pierre tergeron perfectly worthy oh, of God, the yeah. hall of fame he had uh, well, he had it, one thousand three hundred and twenty-seven just... points in one thousand two hundred and ninety-four career games. Like, that's... like I feel like anyone that makes it to a thousand, you have to at least consider. But th- there's just no transparency on all yeah. of this. So we're we're going to continue to have this argument until they start letting us into the process a little bit to figure out what else is going which, on. Which, which, like, to for for non hockey, like people listening for the first time like you know like with major league baseball we know the these writers the baseball writers of america are so happy to be like here are the steroid era players that we effed over because screw barry bonds and screw mark mcguire and screw the fact that we promoted long ball matters right now and pretty much encouraged this uh we're not going to put this into the hall of fame because the integrity of the game uh but we know what's how dare happening. you bring up Babe Ruth. <laughs> but we know, but we know what's happening because they're being transparent. With this, it really is just fourteen dudes sitting in a room, and we don't know what the conversation is. You know, it's it's them throwing out names, and occasionally, like family members will call up and be like, "Hey, can you relook at like our families? You know, like grandpa or or dad or whatever. You know, can you look at our uncle again? We think he got overlooked, and they can then be like, okay. Uh, so yeah, I don't know why they're because it's so vocal the the McGillney love that I don't know why they're so vocal back with the giant. We're just not even gonna give a fuck. Like, and uh, whatever. But we also shouldn't be surprised because, uh, well, I guess before we get to the other thing that they clearly don't care about, uh, let's quickly hit that uh, also former NHL coach Ken Hitchcock and executive Pierre uh, Lacroix uh, inducted into the builder category of the Hall of Fame as well. So, yay, we have a coach. Yeah, uh, Hitchcock definitely worthy. Uh, 23 years that he's been coaching, has a Jack Adams, has yeah. a Stanley Cup. Uh, played or not played, but coached on the for the uh, Canadian Olympic team before in 2014. Uh, he kind of, you know, he's done everything you can as a coach. I, I feel like just again, just because you're not Scotty Bowman with 12 Stanley Cups or however many it is, doesn't mean you're less worthy of an honor like this. So Hitchcock makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let a Blue Jackets fan hear about him, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
lacrosse i was surprised a little bit i i wasn't again i wasn't expecting him to do to get in but uh especially for what he meant to the colorado avalanche just being the first person there uh winning you know multiple stanley cups there but just kind of like taking hockey into a brand new market like that i yeah. there's yeah there's a lot to be said for that and i feel like the fact that he passed away may have been what kind of put him over the edge he had complications with covid in 2020 uh but he you know was already in an advanced state uh age at that point so it, it's it, it, he's certainly worthy of it and i feel like him it's a little bit different than with the players where uh you know him getting in isn't keeping someone else out if that makes sense yeah yeah these are they're they're two fine picks no issues there uh but the last thing to talk about with the hall of fame class of 2023 is that once again the these these men in a room have decided that despite the fact that they were like we want to be able to induct two women into the hockey hall of fame uh continue to just go with one woman and this year it's uh canada's carolina Ouellette. and not to take away from her going in it's just it's disheartening that it's only one when there are so many deserving women to go in. And, and and again, to what I said about, you know, oh, is this person going in means someone else is going out? Uh, absolutely not. They, they decided in when they were going to start inducting women into the hall in 2010 that every year they were allowed to do two. And like, you know, you're allowed to do, you know, this many men, this many women. Like, I get it. I, you know, we're not sit, I, I'm not arguing that it needs to be 50 50, but if you already have the rule that you can put in two and there's plenty of deserving women mm-hmm. that can go in, that, that needs to happen. They put in Cami Granado and Angela James first, and that's the only time that they put in two women. Uh, now, Caroline Ouellette, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think we even talked about this at the beginning of the year when we were talking about potentially you know, players that would potentially be inducted Mm -hmm. into the next Hall of Fame. Uh, Four Olympic gold medals, six world championships, uh, excuse me, six world championship gold, six world championship silvers. uh, Also was a big part of the NWHL and the CWHL as they were uh, getting started. So being there from the ground up of as women's leagues that actually paid their players Mm -hmm. started to come to fruition. I think is a pretty significant thing as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it just drives me nuts that Jennifer Botterill has three gold medals and a silver from the Olympics and has, let's see that has five gold world championships and somehow just can't go in next to her. Yeah. It, it makes, that's the frustrating thing it is kind of like the McGill, the McGillney thing, like, it's taking away from everybody else because of just not knowing the process and not knowing their mindset. Like if somebody, if, if if they would come out and say, this is why we're only doing one, at least we'd know why, but it makes no sense that it's, they made it a thing to be like, we want to be able to put two in at uh, two women in at a time and have refused to do it ever again since the first time. Like you said, you, you you know, there are so many deserving women that, that should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And 
each year it's just kind of it's either one or none and it makes no sense that like why have the two and again, why have the two and again not gonna do it yeah and and if it was again if it was gonna be like a stretch and i couldn't like like as someone that doesn't follow the women's game that closely, if I can name someone right off the top of my head like that that deserves to go in alongside of her, I think that's a pretty big. That issue. says that says everything it needs to say on it, and that's really all that you know. Like we can't sit here like we're not going to make change by screaming on a podcast about it, but you know it uh, is what I it is. Not if I could, <laughs> yeah. But but congratulations to her. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, I know that they're listening to us and. They love that uh, we gave them all that love. So some of the other things I have uh, on my notes, some of the trades that <laughs> looked like were happening and then didn't happen. Uh, Kevin Hayes, uh, I guess, was supposed to be going to St. Louis, but that trade now fell apart uh, as the Flyers are trying to sell off everybody. It's not the only Flyers trade that fell apart over the weekend. Uh, so... Per multiple sources with direct knowledge of the negotiations, the Flyers uh, plan to send Hayes and defenseman Travis uh, Sandheim to the Blues. Uh, Philadelphia would have retained a significant portion of Hayes' $7.14 million cap hit for the next three seasons in the trade. Like we were saying earlier, a lot of teams are eating cap to free up cap uh, to make it also something that St. Louis could uh, handle. The Flyers uh, can retain up to 50% of Hayes' cap. In each of his remaining years, multiple sources with knowledge, though, of the trade told that it told the athletic that a blues defenseman was supposed to go to the Flyers with a first round pick in that move. But that player invoked his no trade clause. As a result, the future of the deal is unclear. So, John, let's play a game of who held up the deal as the athletic noted that Colton uh, Perico, Nick Letty and Justin Fultz all have full no trade clauses, but neither one of those three invoke their no trade clause. Of the five defensemen that have no trade or modified, the other one, Marco Scandella, has a modified no trade clause, but Philly isn't on his list. That leaves one defenseman that has a no trade clause that could not be reached for comment to find out if he held it up. Tory Krug. Michigan State's own Tory Krug. Uh so, so, you know, I, I don't care for this character one bit. Uh, the, yeah, the, it's uh, on the on the surface, it sounds really good as far as hockey trades go. I, I think the idea that uh, you're going to take uh, Travis Sandheim, Sandheim, pair him with Colton Pareko, have a really solid defense and offensive option there as well. Uh Definitely seems like seems like really solid. Uh, Kevin Hayes, uh, team, I, I heard rumors that he would be going to Columbus too, but teams should be fighting over Kevin Hayes, hands uh, down. They, teams definitely want Kevin Hayes, and he fell out of uh, love with uh, head coach there. Go figure in Phil in uh, Philly. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, it's a shame that uh, he was their All Star representative as well. <laughs> had a career, uh, had, had, had put up like career high numbers too in points. <laughs> couldn't even say in the line. Yeah, so, yeah uh, so, some people are like really split on the whole no trade clause thing, and th- this just kind of becomes a matter of opinion for it. I do want to give a shout out to the Flyers blog, uh, Crossing Broad, that uh, pointed out to Tory Krug has removed any reference to the St. Louis Blues from his Instagram and his Twitter. 
Uh, I love not only the level of pettiness that this is getting to, but the fact that someone is pointing out the level of pettiness. So shout out to Crossing Broad for bringing that to everyone's attention. Uh, but there's so much to be said about, uh, you know, if you gave someone a no trade clause, you shouldn't even ask them to waive it. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and let's... And let's be real, some players have no trade clauses just based on seeing their play on the ice and most, you know, halfway functioning teams going, yeah, no thanks. Uh, Especially combine that with some of the term and some of the money that they're making. Uh, But to some places, it's, uh, you know, there's almost an expectation that if they ask you to waive, that you should do it. And I don't like where that's coming from. I feel like if you negotiate that clause in good faith then you should go ahead and you know honor it like i don't think there's anything wrong with asking someone to waive it but if if someone doesn't want to do it well that's that's their right that's specifically what they negotiated for and to me asking someone to waive their no trade clause because if you and i are negotiating contract and say hey we're going to give you a little bit less money but we'll also give you a no trade clause then you know both sides are getting something here yeah i but i get that but, it, but, but if i i i also feel that if you go to somebody and you're like hey you know like a situation like the Flyers, for instance, it's in the whole new management team up there now. None of those contracts were negotiated by that team, so that no trade clause don't really mean crap to them anymore. Uh, and also, well, there's well, the no trade to be. Well, I know the I no know trade clauses. My bad. Oh no, no, no! I was just gonna. Uh, the, what I was just gonna. What I'll end on it uh, and and let you go from there is. I also feel that if you go to a player and you say like, "Hey, we want you to waive your no trade clause," it's essentially telling that player like, "We're done with you." So, either you waive this and you get to go play somewhere, and we'll try and make something happen, you know, in your favor because you have this modified no trade clause. So we want to make it work for you. Um, or we're just not really going to play you. Like, you're not a part of our future. So it's kind of letting a player know, like, uh, we would fire you if we can, but, you know, yeah. you get to kind of pick your way out now. Yeah, and and to me, it's, it's but like I said, when you're negotiating something like that, both sides are getting something. If the team goes to you and asks you to waive a no-trade clause, it's almost saying, give me something in return for nothing. Yeah. Now, some players take that very personally in the sense to go, well, if you, you know, told me to, you know, if that's how you feel about me playing here, then yeah, get me out of here. I'll see you later. But, you know, this, this is something that's going to impact the guy's family. It's not just his playing the career. Kids. So there could Think be... about the kids. How do you reach those kids? <laughs> uh, I can't reach But But in, in addition to that, in addition to that, I don't know a lot of players are going to be overly excited to go play for this Flyers team. Let's be real. Well, that brings up, that brings up a question I had for you. I think this trade happens if it hasn't already happened prior to, you know, us dropping this episode. Uh, Again, it's a Monday recording. Don't get on us. If anything broke overnight and all that stuff before Wednesday. Uh, Yeah. I refuse to accept responsibility for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a third team that's going to be involved because I think that's the thing. I think Tory Krug doesn't it, like yeah, he just doesn't want to go play for the Flyers because he he signed that deal when he left Boston with the Blues uh, 
to go and try and win another championship. He wanted to win a Stanley Cup. He wanted to win. So he's got three years left on that deal. He'll be like 36 when he hits free agency. Like, this is the window. You don't want to go play on a team that has said they're committed to a rebuild and they're going to rebuild like it's old 1970s Broad Street Bullies because, you know, they they want that Flyers hockey, which, of course, let's... In this NHL, let's create a big bruising team because that's where the league's going. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think a third team gets involved, but who would that third team be? Because, you know, like, do the Avalanche get involved in that? <laughs> Can they make that happen? I know, you know, uh, I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing out the first team that I'm, you know, lightning, somebody like that. Like, I'm thinking those teams that tend to take big swings. Vegas, you, you know Vegas? who? Good God, Vegas! <laughs> you you know who I could see stepping up to uh, to take a swing there is Boston. Reunite. Yeah, bring them on back if you can make the money work. Go for it. I I just I I think the bigger holdup that you're going to see with something like that is that Boston does not have a ton of assets like they don't even pick until the third round this year so i'm not sure what they would give to philly or st louis that would make this worth having uh but if if they were yeah if if they were potentially excited to get to reacquire tory krug it would not surprise me maybe you do that instead of re-signing orloff i don't know um all right so Something's going to happen. Kevin Hayes is definitely going to go. The Flyers have made it clear that they're going to move out. And it, the fact that they're willing to eat 50% of that contract, if St. Louis doesn't make it happen, uh, somebody else is going to probably make it happen. Uh, now, other Flyers trades that got shot down, this time by the NHL, Tony D'Angelo, everybody's favorite loudmouth. Uh, he just loves everybody. But Tony D'Angelo... He got traded back to the Carolina Hurricanes, but as I mentioned, the league stepped in because of language in the CBA about a player returning within 12 months, especially on a retained salary, as being possible uh, circumvention. Both the Flyers and Hurricanes argued that, one, the contract wasn't signed with Carolina. It was Philly that signed him to a two-year, $10 million deal. And two, as I mentioned before, Chuck Fletcher was the GM, who traded for him and signed him. He is no longer there. So how could this be circumvention? Uh, The NHL plans to talk with the teams in Nashville and decide what to do. Man, only Tony D'Angelo could be involved in something this ridiculous. Yeah. And for me, I, I hate the headline that they're using for this. They're saying the trade is held up by a CBA quirk. Like, this isn't a quirk. You can't take have a player, trade him to another team, have the team sign him to a deal, retain a bunch of salary from that deal, and then send him back to the other team. So, oh, oh, we're we're having trouble affording Austin Matthews, so we'll trade him to Arizona. They sign him and trade him back. Like, no, yeah, you can't do that. So that that's not a quirk. That is a very simple foundational rule mm-hmm. to me. Uh, now if they, how this will play out going forward, I don't know. Do they just wait? Do they 
get something sorted out with the NHL and say, look, all these extenuating circumstances apply here. I don't really know. Uh, but I just, I, I hate the way it's like, oh, this weird little legal loophole. Like, no, dude, that's, that's a rule. And it's a rule for the, for a reason. Yeah, it, you're, you're right. It is a rule for a reason. It's just, Usually. It's, it's just, a, it's, <laughs> it's just wild that I, I never like, it's crazy that we're seeing this rule in play. Cause I never imagined that we'd actually see this. Like, I didn't even like think that this was a possibility that could ever happen, even though it is something that 100% you would do in like a video game. You know, like that's in, that's an NHL video game type of move where you trade a guy to a team. Uh, then you trade back for him and you have them eat half the salary and you only give up like, you know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, like it's why it's like, holy crap, that's, yeah, that's good language that does protect because it, it's funny. And it's funny too, because when I saw the trade like on Twitter and I saw like, Oh, D'Angelo going back to the hurricanes, I thought it was a little weird. I was like, cause I was like, usually you don't see a player get traded, signed and then traded back like within a year. And it turns out that there's, <laughs> there's a rule against it. So it, it's, yeah, it's not a little quirk. It's a rule. And honestly, I don't think this trade, I think the NHL, knowing how the NHL operates at times, I expect that they're going to stay pat on this. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised if they did like totally. Yeah, just let's yeah, just like how they uh, decided to penalize New Jersey for the Kovalchuk deal. And then when new ownership took over the team, they said, ah, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they, they there's there's always that possibility where they could do that. Oh, you know, you're right. It is it it is a new management and, and it is OK. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, now you're circumventing your own rule. <laughs> yeah. And, and apparently what the what the hurricanes are sending in return to the flyers is three draft picks. So in theory, if you really wanted to, you could probably just ask the flyers who they'd want to pick draft those guys and then trade those guys when, you know, the time expires thing. Uh, I feel like that's putting a whole lot of faith in this other team that you're dealing with. Uh, But it is possible that even if the NHL does stand pat on this, so they just find a way to make it work once it's been the calendar year yeah yeah that's true um all right so d'angelo will be on his way out at some point we're gonna find out if it's uh carolina or not by the time this episode drops uh pierre luke speaking of things that are on the way out oh yeah pierre luke dubois um he is definitely on his way out uh the jets appear totally i mean well, the Jets are a weird team. They are not committed to a rebuild, but they are going to have to trade away pretty much everybody. But they want NHL-ready players or people that they can at least justify and claim, we tried. See, Hellebuck, we love you. Don't leave us. Uh, but Pierre's on his way out. Uh, the team I've seen him linked to, and maybe you've seen other, uh, the LA Kings. Yes. Yeah, I've seen him linked uh, to the Kings a lot. Yeah, it, it sounds like he has really opened up the number of places that he's willing to go to, and it's not exclusively Montreal. Uh, the, the the big thing that just kind of stands out for me for this is if you go out 
and you get Pierre-Luc Dubois, I don't know what kind of message that's sending to Quentin Byfield, who's supposed to be your center of the future. Uh, granted, it could be a decent stopgap measure for him since uh, Anze Kopitar's deal is going to be up after this year and he is getting paid $10 million, so it would be kind of easy to just shift that $10 million on over. Uh, but if you take a look at the lineup, you have Anze Kopitar, you have uh, Philip Deneau, and then uh, there's Quentin Byfield there. Uh, I, I'm sure you have some thoughts and feelings about high-profile rookies being used as third liners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, it, you know, if you throw Dubois into that on top of this, it's like, okay, so what, what, what? What are we doing here, man? Uh, <laughs> granted, granted, there's something to be said of that no team has ever been unsuccessful because they have too many centers. Uh, but I just don't know how this kid's supposed to get any, uh, any playing time. Yeah, it, it's – it's well, I think – I know the Kings, uh, they want permission to have the conversation and know whether or not – they'd even get an extension before they commit to a deal, which is smart. Cause you want to go, you want to know his head headspace is, is it really just a one year purchase or is this potentially a long-term investment here? And if it is a long-term investment, it does send a, an interesting message to keeping those rookies that are supposed those young kids, actually not even rookies, but those kids that you expect to take the next step. You you're going to give that opportunity to, to then bump them down. And yeah, Ranger fans can 100% attest to that's probably not a good idea to keep doing to your rookies. It might stint their growth uh, when, you know, you look across the river and you see a guy that is playing first line and is thriving. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I'm like if I'm putting myself in any of the GM positions and I know that he would be willing to come to my team, even if it's for one year, if I'm the Kings, I'm going, you know what? Let's have that conversation for a trade because that could be the Kachuk move. That, uh, Like I was saying, he's going to be everybody's like coveted. We could make the, we could make the cup run with him where we're, that's our one move away. And, and I mentioned uh, McAdoo's, why every team should trade their first round pick. I'm 100% willing to move my first round pick for him and something else. Like I am willing to make the bet on him for the one year. If I'm the Rangers, if I'm hell, even if I'm the Red Wings, just to get back to the playoffs and give a little bit of respect and hope that with that being on an original six team, you can convince him then to stay. Uh, If I'm the Kings, I make that. If I'm, I, I guarantee you, Vegas is listening because Vegas always listens when they have an opportunity to just improve a position for no reason. Uh, Panthers probably out because they made the the big move, but like, does Pittsburgh try and get in on that because it's got to get back to the playoffs for them? Like, I, I feel any team that's in a playoff position and feels that they're in a win now specifically should be all in on on this move. Yeah, and but I, I don't know if you're. It may kind of depend on what the return is like. Like if you're LA and you're looking at just getting this guy for one year, that isn't going to give you a ton of return if you're Winnipeg. But if you're trading away Pierre Luc Dubois with the idea that he's going to stick around a while, that 
maybe makes sense that you would make Quentin Byfield a part of that deal. I don't know. I, I feel like if you put that many GMs together in a room like you do for the draft, it gives you, you know, a big opportunity there to kind of see movements like this. But wh- whether or not it's going to actually end up happening or come into fruition, they may. If you're Winnipeg, you don't have to move him at all. That's true. He, he's still going. He's still going to be restricted. Is the other thing about that. So you you don't have to worry about losing this guy for nothing. But uh, yeah, you you they kind of have all the uh, power here. They can file. I don't know if they filed for arbitration with him already, but they he is arbitration eligible. So that could that could easily impact this as well. Yeah, but someone definitely too. If he uh, hasn't been traded by the time this came out, this whole conversation could be yeah. no point to it at this point. But uh, if he's still out there uh, today, I. I you know, the, this is a day that it could happen because um, I expect uh, a first round pick and maybe a prospect or something for him. Uh, guy that is staying put. Uh, let's talk this really fast. The Hurricanes re-signed Jordan Stahl to a four-year, eleven point six million contract. Uh, it was announced on Sunday. The deal includes uh, two point nine million average annual value. Uh, contains a full no-move clause for the first three seasons and no-trade clause for the final season. Uh, he is 34. He played the last 11 seasons with the Hurricanes. Put up 34 points last year, 17 goals, 17 assists, and 81 games. Breaking down the contract uh, actually gets better as the years go on. Uh, it's a 3.45 million hit this year, 3.41 in year two, 2.65 in year three, and then drops to just 775,000 in year four and a 1.315 million signing bonus payable on july 1st of 2026 so as we lose the flat cap his deal becomes really really damn good yeah and and that'll be really helpful for him in the sense that uh he's still gonna have some you know trade control there but he's also going to have a real good opportunity uh to really end things with the Hurricanes. Because the thing to remember for Jordan Saul's entire career is he was a real, real big reason the 08 and 09 Penguins were as successful as they were. Because mm-hmm. he was a potential first-line center talent playing not on the second line, but on the third. And the reason it didn't really work out in Pittsburgh is just like he was never going to be better than Crosby or Malkin. So they might as well move him somewhere else like Carolina where he could really make an impact and play with his brother. I'm sure that helped too. Uh, But now the way that he's kind of being utilized, he's, you know, the heart, the heartbeat of that Carolina team. He's the captain there. Uh, He was making $6 million previously. And I feel like some of that loyalty is being rewarded here with the, we're going to give you another four years. It's going to be at a much more reasonable cap hit, but we'd still want you to stick around and be a part of this organization. Good stuff for him. I I just hope there isn't a pride celebration that upsets him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably not because uh, the NHL teams will not wear specialty jerseys during warmups next season. As Gary Bettman uh, made the announcement the other day following the Board of Governors meeting, uh, some quick notes from this. Bettman told governors all theme nights were important and should be continued, but the uniform has become a distraction and takes away from the positive efforts of the teams in league and could continue to do so for various tribute nights, according to one of the league sources. 
Also, while teams will no longer be allowed to wear specialty warm-up jerseys, the theme nights they represent, including Pride, Military, and Heritage, will continue. This past season, multiple players and teams opted to not wear the Pride warm-up jerseys, citing religious reasons or safety concerns. Uh, That was, we've talked extensively about this with the Russian players opting out after the Russian anti-gay law escalated to where pretty much they could be killed. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, everyone that, uh, you know, really wanted to represent the players' voices. Uh, you win. There will be no voices heard now. Uh, it almost it almost sounds a little bit like a parent that has, uh, you know, two people, two of their kids arguing. It just goes, well, don't touch him. Well, he touched me first. Like, look, no one is going to touch anyone <laughs> going forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, this, this. This is kind of an NHL it, it, overreaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is feels like very much par for the course. I feel dumb for not having seen this coming. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's going to impact a lot of organizations. I feel like uh, hockey fights cancer did specifically mention that you know while it's disappointing, it you know there's a lot more to the charitable events that go into it than just the jerseys. Yeah, uh, I don't know anyone in the right mind is buying pink jerseys or camouflage jerseys that don't have the player's name on it and were specifically worn during warm-ups. I don't know that there's a ton of appeal for that. Uh, but yeah, this sucks. Um, it, I, I I totally understand the way the NHL went about doing it is they let Gary Bettman be the one to take the hit for it and say, hey, these are becoming a distraction. We're doing away with these. Uh and it just, it sucks that I feel like looking back on this season, we won't necessarily, you know, there was so much more to remember be, you know, all these players hit, you know, triple points, uh, all these, you know, different 50 goal scorers. I feel like the biggest legacy, the biggest thing people may remember from this past season is going to be the pride jerseys. Yeah. And, and, and just, it, it's frustrating that a couple of people, they're just kind of a drop in the bucket compared to everyone else that has no problem with wearing it have made so much noise with it. That's going to come to this. Yeah. Now. Yeah. That is what's a little upsetting about it, but, yeah. but, but classic Gary Bettman, uh, you know, if the owners are coming to you and saying, Hey, that we don't want to deal with this anymore, he'll make himself seem like the bad guy so that the owners don't have to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's he'll take he'll take the bullet to the chest. Uh, that's all I have. Do you have anything else for this week? No, I th- I think I I think that is pretty much wrapping up everything that we have. There's a couple other stories, but we are going in the off season, so I may just kind of keep those. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. We could we could do off season episodes. Maybe we jump on the Thrill Me Podcast Network Patreon with those as well. Ooh, yeah. That's the thing. Oh yeah, there's so many possibilities now. We're in a whole, we're in a whole new uh, podcasting world. Um, all right, uh, before we get out of here, hit them with the plugs, John. Uh, as always, you all can find me on Twitter at JT Evans and number zero. Uh, thrilled to be here. Thrilled to uh, get to know some of the other uh, networks and podcasters and people that listen to our nonsense. Yeah, there's a show for every day, something different. Metal Groove on Monday, review Rob Show on Tuesday. We drop on Wednesdays. Well, really, whenever we drop, we're hockey. We're different. 
<laughs> we do things different. We're like the NHL. You never know. Uh, Court Memory oh. Unlock on Thursdays, going back in time, uh, unlocking your favorite films back in the day. And then uh, Hunter's Podcast, the Podcast Network on Friday. So, yeah, always something. Always something to do. All right. Always something. Uh, wonderful underscore radio on Twitter. Uh, until next week, everybody. Bye. See ya. In the merry month of May, from me home I started, left the girls, the tomb was nearly broken. Hunted saluted father dear and kissed me, darling mother, drink a pint of beer and tears and grief to smother enough to reap the corn, leave where I was born, cut the stop the thorn, a banished ghosts and goblins, brand new pair of brogues, rattling all the bugs, frightening all the dogs on the rocky road to double and one, two, three, four, five. Hung the hair, a turn or down the rocky road, all the way to double and whack for all the dogs.